I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Merry Christmas, one and all! Hopefully you're relaxing with a belly full of mince pies, roast potatoes, and potentially some hefty medical grade Christmas alcohol. <laughs> because we all know this year has been somewhat of an unusual affair. And as this is Drunk Art Review Podcast, back again for the most wonderful time of the year, sort of, uh, we hope our snippets of Yuletide cheer reaches your ears in the most loveliest of ways. Fill up your glass, throw that fleecy blanket over you, and tune in to a place where anyone from teetotal to blind ass drunk is welcome to give their honest ass opinions about all forms of art. Now, let's get on with the Christmas special, shall we? Hello, folks, and welcome to our very festive episode. Hello! Welcome to the Yuletide Christmas episode. I, we haven't come up with a, a, a snazzy little pun no. yet, have we, for Christmas? When we wrote, wrote it down, it was just festive folklore, but we could do with a snazzy pun because we all know Rosie loves those. I love, I love a snazzy pun. I should have already come up with it. But yes, this week, this episode is all about Christmas. Looking forward to hearing all about your eggnog and tinsel, and that's not a euphemism I would like to add. <laughs> A little bit tense. I've got, I've got, actually, I've got an interesting fact about mistletoe to tell you in a bit. Oh, I love mistletoe. It's one of my favourite things to put up. It was, uh, the church didn't like having it in the church. It was viewed as a pagan plant because it came, it was used a lot in the, in paganism. And, um, that's why you don't generally see mistletoe in, like, floral arrangements in churches. You see, like, holly and ivy, that mistletoe was a pagan plant. So that's why it wasn't used in churches. So there's a little sneaky fact in there for you oh i see um, but i love mistletoe yeah not yeah. to get kissed under just because i like putting it in vases it looks pretty at christmas <laughs> i don't think i've ever done the whole like kissing under the mistletoe but i think it would be a bit too on the nose if someone like pulled it over my over my head don't want no one kissing me under the mistletoe this year keep your masks on and stay six feet away from me fuckers merry christmas everybody <laughs> <laughs> like merry christmas now stay away <laughs> yeah pretty much I think that's totally cool. But yeah, uh, shall I shall I do the honours of starting the episode? Oh yes, get into it, Rosie. Let's get right into it. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, we're talking about Christmas. Obviously, I'm going to tell you about some Christmas facts. You sound so <laughs> energised. This, this, is, this is so high energy, you're going to love it. Right, so... <laughs> the first recorded day of Christmas being celebrated on uh, obviously December 25th was in actually can you guess can you guess how old Christmas is like the Christmas day oh god do you have any any fathom probably only like I don't know thousand years 700 years maybe oh, yeah. I don't think it's all that old yeah, you're actually a little bit closer than I thought you'd be um yeah it was uh 336 AD I mean I know my history during the time of the Roman Emperor Constantine. Um, he was basically like the first Christian Roman Emperor. 
I mean, don't be surprised about me knowing lots of random Christmas facts. For anybody that doesn't know me, I'm currently covering the house in so many fairy lights inside that you could probably still see it from NASA even though they're inside the house. That's how many lights I've got going on in here at the moment, and I'm still putting more up. Yeah, she's basically made a grotto. I, I mean, please dress as Santa and take pictures uh, <laughs> in your grotto. I, I would mean, love I probably that. will. <laughs> so yeah, for the first 300 years like, of, the, of the church's existence, birthdays were not given much emphasis not even the birth of Christ. Um, the day on which a saint died was considered more significant than his or her birth. That was the time when they were ushered into the kingdom of heaven. So it doesn't really matter when you were spawned on the earth. I suppose it's also got to do with the fact that when a child is born at that point, they haven't really done anything, even though they're a pure soul. But then when, they're, when they leave this earth, it's like they're giving themselves for our retribution kind of thing. So it's more important mm -hmm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. Got so heavy so quick. <laughs> We're talking about Christmas. So the real question is, was Jesus born on December 25th? That's all. I just got her hand up. I don't think they have a recorded. She can't. No one can see this, can they? But on the video call, I have my hand up because I think I know the answer is that isn't Jesus' actual birthday. They just kind of chose that day. Right. So no one knows for sure on what day Christ was born. So I got this information from Christianity.com. Obviously, it's going to sound pretty uh, Christian. <gasps> She's got a finger up. Do you think we could nick the soundbite from a QI where it goes, nobody knows? <laughs> like when there's not an answer, <laughs> just insert that in there because nobody knows when Jesus was born. I think we can, I think we can have a go. <laughs> I just, they wouldn't mind. <laughs> like I said, nobody knows, obviously, um, when Christ was born. Uh, but this guy called Dionysus Exegus... We're great at butchering Roman names. He, he, he yeah, he was a sixth, sixth century monk who was the first to date all of history from December 25th, 0 AD. So basically he was like, what time should start from? And we just kind of took his word for it because he was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other traditions obviously uh, gave dates as early as mid-November or as late as March. Because what is the concept of time, really? Um, oh, that's a deep question for the Christmas episode. <laughs> I know. Um, all right, so uh, how did Christmas come to be celebrated on December 25th? Cultures around the Mediterranean and across Europe observed feasts on or around December 25th, marking the winter solstice, of course. The Jews had a festival of lights, um, but the festival of lights actually goes through like so many other religions and faiths throughout time. Uh, Germans had a Yule festival, Celtic legends connected the solstice with Boulder, um, the Scandinavian sun god who was struck down by a mistletoe arrow. Ooh. Yeah, that was my random fact. Um, so you got this kind of correlation with being kissed by an arrow, like <laughs> smacked with a kiss, <laughs> punched in the face. <laughs> Aggression and kissing and Christmas and oh mistletoe. God. That stark realization. <laughs> It's like, you want to kiss mistletoe? Oh. Yeah, that's what you have to do now if you have mistletoe, just punch them in the face. <laughs> oh my god. Everyone's going to be getting Christmas <laughs> asbo. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, uh, at the pagan festival of uh, Sat Sat Satanala, Satanala? Satanala? Basically, my mum was so excited to tell me about this. <laughs> Because she was on the phone to me earlier and she was like, can you see my Christmas card? It says Christmas. And you turn it around and it says Saturnala. Oh, <laughs> that's so like, cute. that was the, I, I know she's sweet. It was the pagan festival that the, <laughs> <laughs> that the Romans uh, feasted and gave gifts to the poor. You know, everyone was like free loving, you know, they just wanted to 
give give some love out. Um, but that was like from the 17th to the 23rd of mm. December. And obviously like drinking was closely connected with all of these pagan feasts and stuff. So at some point, basically a Christian bishop must have just adopted all these days, like pushed them together to stop people indulging too much. They're like, well, you've got all these days of like feasting for the festivals of like paganism and stuff. So let's make it Christian and push it just into like a couple days. So you're not going to drink loads, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever noticed that there's a lot of old pubs near old churches? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's a reason for that. The churches had them built there because it would encourage people mm-hmm. to kind of like come to church and then go to the pub. Um, that's a true thing, people. Look it up. Look it up. It's all interlinked. Yeah, have a Sunday pint. But then there's this historian that really we don't really care who he is, really. Um, but he, there's this historian who offers a different view on why it's the 25th. <laughs> Because basically, there was a consensus that arose in the church to celebrate Christ's conception on March the 25th. Um, so it's like, it's like nine months later, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, if he was conceived at this time, then logically, with our maths, Christmas should be then. And then it ties in with the winter solstice and all this other stuff, so we'll celebrate it all together. You know. So with that really boring stuff out of the way, <laughs> let's talk about this other dude. Which is the best guy ever. Krampus! Hey! Krampus! Do you know about Krampus? I I have some basic (laughs) knowledge of Krampus, but any kind of films with him in my tend to avoid because generally they're creepy and we all know how I feel about creepy things. Yeah, and we all know how I feel about them. Let's terrify the kids! Now you've had a rambling history lesson about the origin of the 25th of December, and before we tell you about the fascinating character of Krampus, let's have some story time with Jenny as she reads us some Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. <laughs> Definitely just as spooky in parts as Krampus. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm, nor wintry weather chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer than he. No falling snow was more intent upon its purpose. No pelting rain less open to entreaty. Foul weather didn't know where to have him. The heaviest rain and snow, and a hail and sleet, could boast of the advantage over him in only one respect. They often came down handsomely, and Scrooge never did. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robe. But I see something strange and not belonging to yourself, protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for the flesh there is upon it was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here! From the foldings of its robes, it brought two children. Wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh man, look here! Look! Look down here! exclaimed the ghost. They were a boy and a girl. Yellow, meagre, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility where graceful youth should have filled their features out 
and touched them with its freshest tints. A stale and shriveled hand like that of age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity in any grade. Through all the mysteries of the wonderful creation has the monster's half so horrible a dread. Scrooge started back appalled. Having them shown to him in this way, he tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. They are man's, said the spirit, looking down upon them, and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware of them both, and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is due, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit, stretching out its hand towards the city. Slander those who tell it ye, admit it for your factious purposes and make it worse, and bide the end. Honestly, the more I look, look up Christmas, it's like one giant melting pot of every story ever concocted. Because mm. like you've got gods from and, and and festivals and traditions all rolled into one. Yeah, they all oh, they all take from each other, don't they? Yeah, they're all stealing from one another to just gain more control over people. That's, <laughs> that's the, that was the Christian view anyway. It seemed like, yeah. <laughs> and the Roman view actually. Silent Night by Viggo Johansson, 1891 In Viggo Johansson's painting Silent Night, we see a family gathered around the tree at Christmas Eve, a mother holding hands with her children in a circle, sharing in a joyous moment, dancing and singing while bathing in the candlelight. An older woman observes the children's excitement and smiles from the corner of the room. It's thought that the mother is Johansson's wife Martha, enjoying the night before Christmas with their children and Martha's aunt. The painting gives us an intimate view of the family and how they partake in their festive celebrations. Alright now, okay, so first of all, I have to thank National Geographic because I basically just like stole this entire article and we're gonna go with it. <laughs> so, now talking about Krampus because he's a fun fellow. I mean, that's one way to put it. <laughs> when listening, uh, to the radio in December, it's unlikely to hear holiday songs singing praises for Krampus. Because <laughs> he's basically a half goat, half demon, horrific beast who literally beats people into being nice and not naughty. <laughs> Why doesn't he go to... So he doesn't... He shouldn't go around scaring children, really. We should send him around to uh, reformist prisons. <laughs> brutalise. I don't believe that. <laughs> Possibly, I yeah. don't believe in capital punishment, people. Sorry, I'm joking. Yeah, don't brutalise people. People can learn to correct themselves through the mind, not from beating, but Krampus was of a different mind. That's a different podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Krampus isn't exactly the stuff of dreams. Um, he bears horns, dark hair, fangs, and a long tongue. Literally, in all the images I found of him, he's just got this giant tongue. And he kind of looked a little bit like spring Jack mm. in like, the illustrations of him. <laughs> you think his tongue is often his beard? God, he'd be popular on Tinder. Yeah. 
I'd be a bit worried about that though. I remember this movie I watched called Killer Tongue. I watched it quite young, probably shouldn't. It was definitely like 18 R rated plus, but this woman had a tongue that was really, really long and it like talked to her and had sex with her and it was Why really weird. Why would you weird. tell me that as I'm <laughs> taking a drink of water? I, I think I should watch this film again. I think it's a bit of a grindhouse movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know how our conversations go, they just pop up. But anyway, so Krampus, he had a big old long killer tongue. Give him a number. <laughs> Tinder? We don't even need it. Krampus, hit me up. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Krampus is the anti-Saint Nicholas. And he comes with a chain and bells that he lashes about along with a bundle of birch sticks meant to swat naughty children. <laughs> you know, like switches. Basically a branch that hit people. So he's a little bit into the BDSM potentially. I was going to say, he's definitely kinky. Yeah, yeah. Who invented this man? With his long tongue and his switches. <laughs> oh god. And then he hauls the bad children down to the underworld. This is the other thing. He is meant to be the child of the Norse god Hel, which is the, the goddess of death. So Hel, like H-E-L, is um, Loki's adopted sister. We, we're thinking like like Kate Blanchett's character like Kate Blanchett's character in Marvel. Yes, exactly. I was finding these connections. See what I mean? It's a big melting pot. Everything's mm -hmm. connected. But Krampus, huge in Germany and that kind of those areas around Europe. So it's funny that those Norse mythologies would like move down mm. from up north down into the other south southern areas. <laughs> so he would haul bad children down to the underworld. So he's a pretty bad guy. Fun fact though, uh, Saint Nick in Catholicism was actually a, a patron saint of children. So he was real, but hilariously, uh, little is known about him historically. <laughs> Apparently they know exactly when he died and was alive, but also that he was Greek and his height. They knew how tall how he tall was. How tall Saint Nick? One meter 68. Foot? Talk to me in English. I don't know. Let me Just see. play some spankly music here for our listeners. Da -da 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 -da. This is like beautiful, beautiful elevator music. <laughs> Just under my height, five foot five. Oh, so he's not as short as my mum. I thought he would be like really tall. The pictures make him look tall. It's a long coat. I suppose because we often see him next to like children and elves next to gnomes and stuff. Yeah, like tiny people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was known as Nicholas the Wonderworker which is also something that you probably want to find on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen some things that sound a bit like that, so... Boys, you need to upgrade your Tinder bios, like... See, this is what I mean. You've got Saint Nick and then and Krampus, which are kind of like the counterparts of each other. So you just blend them together. you got one with the Wonder Worker, one with the Massive Tongue. <laughs> you know. Christmas episode, guys! You came here for the festive folklore. <laughs> you stay here for the inappropriate comments. Like, I am going back to Krampus, but I need to say a little bit more about Saint Nick and basically the counterparts of him. So his Saint's Day falls in early December, which probably helps strengthen his association with the Yuletide season. I think it was the 2nd of December is Saint Nicholas Day, and then in other parts of the world it's the 22nd. Um, so they just kind of like weave them together. Anyway, many European cultures not only welcomed the kindly man as a figure of generosity and benevolence to reward the good, but they also feared his menacing counterparts. And I say counterparts because there are actually several. It's almost like you have one deity, one really great thing, and then a myriad of these other helpers, so to speak. So yeah, uh, you had his counterparts, which punished the bad. Parts of Germany and Austria dreaded the beastly Krampus, as we're talking about, while other Germanic regions have Belsnickel and Knit 
Repritchit, the black bearded man who carried switches to beat children. So you can see how like each one of them have kind of like overlaid with each other. But basically Krampus was the hell send. The other ones were kind of just like, you know, the, the country folk, slightly bad, but they were there to help Santa out. But around um, Germany or whatever, like recently, it's been causing upheaval because Knut Repritchit, meaning the Knight Rupert, he is represented as having a black face, as is also called like Black Peter. Because um, they'd say, oh, he he was covered in soot from going down all the chimneys. Right. But that was just to soften out the blow, because he's actually meant to have a black face to be the counterpart of Saint Nick. It's so mm -hmm. weird. So yeah, there's been lots of controversy over it, and recently there's a lot of white supremacists being like, we need to get rid of this, but then... Which is really weird. They're like, Saint Nick should all be about every character being white. Whereas you'll have um, other factions saying that it's racist and it's the root of it because you're making a white person paint black as well. From both angles, it's saying it's bad for different mm. reasons. Is he in artworks then? Is he generally depicted with like this painted black face then? Yeah, he has been. Or just like being sort of sooty in later okay. depictions. For Krampus, he is entirely black. He's a black devil. Mm. They fall in line with each other. It's almost—it's just basically just saying like the mirror image of Santa, yeah, you know, or Saint Nicholas, whatever. Yeah, the the character of Krampus, the horned devil, punished the naughty. Oh dear God! Punished the naughty. Oh, he's so BDSM, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> oh God! He's like I'm so naughty. <laughs> Do you have any beautiful artwork to? Tell me about. I had a, I have a funny piece of artwork to show you, and I don't even know who it's from. I was just like, oh my god, this has to be it. <laughs> I need to see this piece of Krampus artwork. Oh, listeners, if any of if any of you listeners are artists, could you uh, submit us a uh, BDSM version of Krampus? That would be a beautiful, beautiful Christmas present to us, and we would tag you on all of our social media. Oh my god, you <laughs> did you ASMR that? You definitely did. <laughs> You're just like whispering. I leaned into my microphone and asked our <laughs> wonderful listeners to uh, submit a BDSM version of Krampus to, you know, celebrate this episode. Anyway, um, so why scare children with a demonic pagan monster? Maybe it's a way for humans to get in touch with their animalistic side. <laughs> you know, such as impulses maybe about assuming a dual personality and, you know, the person dressed as the beasts become mysterious. But the other, the other big thing about the whole like uh, Krampus tradition is that Krampus had so many little elves and mischief makers that would come along with it. And I kind of think that's kind of where the idea of gremlins comes from, because obviously that's about Christmas and these little, you know, gizmos and things. So young men in the town would dress up like goats and, and these crazy beasts and run through the town hitting doors and things like that to like to scare the children and to like bring presents of Christmas and terror and Krampus to the city. And that's that's been going on for like generations. I mean, wouldn't that be fun bringing Halloween into Christmas? <laughs> Chaos, can you imagine? We often like soften the idea of Christmas to be this giving, wonderful, kind part of the year. We forget that there is this idea of punishing, <laughs> like that, that fear of punishment, that if you haven't been good, then you'll, well, be dragged to hell. We support the good part of it so much more these days than reliving like the, the crass other parts. Mm. <laughs> Although, of course, you know, you have like some fantastic like recent films like Krampus itself and, you know, you get like they keeps popping up in like, you know, modern day culture. Mm. It was so much more prevalent back in the day. I think there was just more terror about Christian values and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, that's Krampus with his big long tongue. I'm going to show you 
a fantastic little uh, image now. You're gonna love it. I'm getting ready for this image, folks. We're still having to record remotely at the moment, obviously, with everything everything that's going on, hence why she's sending it to me. Oh my god, who made it? this? <laughs> I don't even know! I found it! <laughs> this is one of those images that you will never, ever be able to track down who made it, because it's clearly been made in, like, the Victorian era to, era to like, terrify people. Yeah. I'm gonna describe this image to you, folks, so... Imagine that kind of Victorian etching style picture that you get in newspapers or on fronts of cards. And you know, it's a the background is like a scene in the countryside, obviously in the cold winter. You can see the trees are looking a bit bare, there's some <laughs> snow on the ground, there's a ruin. In the forefront of this picture is what I can only describe as like the Maserati of broomsticks. It's like as thick as a trunk. It's huge, isn't with it? With like a huge <laughs> tail. At the front of it is Krampus. He kind of looks like a fawn, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Norse mythology coming in there. His tongue is dangling, because now I know it's his tongue and not his, his, not his beard. I can't unsee it. Um, <laughs> on his back, there is a baby in a bucket. And on his ginormous Maserati-style broomstick, there is how many babies? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> so he's got... There's eight babies on the broomstick and one in the bucket. He's got nine babies. They're babies, though. Like, how can they have been naughty? They're like, none of these kids are over a year old. I know. And what's really funny, though, is that they're, like, uh, obviously photos yeah. of babies that have been, like, cut out and, like, superimposed into this illustration. It's just, like, the funniest thing ever. They're, like, real Victorian fo babies that have been photographed and they've been stuck <laughs> onto this etching. And it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen of Krampus. Because normally when I think of Krampus artwork, again, we'll probably share some on the feed like oh yeah you get yeah, these yeah. really cool renditions that are you know like some of the tattoo artists do of him like the comic book artists and he's like this mm -hmm. real creepy huge overbearing mass of a thing oh yeah yeah cloaked figure you know huge yeah you know draws all the energy out of a room like that kind of shadowy <laughs> terrifying and in this he's like goat man with a baby in a bucket and like huge broomstick and a long tongue it's very peculiar very peculiar there's some there's just some just some weird energy uh from all like krampus illustrations it seems like and this one in particular just hit me good i love it do you know what <laughs> do you know what level this is on and this is almost like hilarity level is the same as like medieval drawings <laughs> it's like yeah, it's making me feel yeah like, I mean, the Victor. I'm guessing it's kind of Victorian. It's got that kind of vibe about it. And the Victorians were massive. Yeah. The Victorians were massive on Christmas, weren't they? That era. And just like the copious amounts of babies. And see what I mean about him looking like Springheel Jack. Yeah, he really does. So if anyone hasn't listened to that episode of our, um, it was Urban Legends. That was it. Our Urban Urban Legends episode. Springheel Jack was someone that I spoke about. Do you know what really gets me? It's that last baby on the broomstick who's completely butt-ass naked, just lying there chilling like he's sunbathing. Like, and he's so small. Yeah, he's in front of everyone. Like, the perspective on this is all out of put. Like, <laughs> guys, I cannot wait for you to see this piece of art. It kind of reminds me of um, not uh, the Lumiere brothers, the guy who made um, video the the Moon film mm. where like the rocket gets shot into the eye. Oh yeah. I'm gonna insert the name here. Yeah, what I was trying to say was Georges Méliès, and it's uh, Le, Le Voyage dans la Lune, um, and that was made in like 1902, so pretty old black and white film. Kind of incredible. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that guy I just said. Through the power of editing. The power of Krampus compels you. <laughs> Can we have that, that logo on a t-shirt with this picture? Fuck yeah, I bet there's no copyright on this. <laughs> yeah, if we if we ever make merch, guys, this can be our Christmas merch. Oh my god. 
yeah. So I recommend just going down the deep, dark uh, Google search of Krampus, uh, image search in particular. It's so but fun. But this picture, guys, when you see this, this is Victoria. <laughs> this is Victorian art at its finest, in my opinion. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes, one of the finest. This is nearly. See... This is nearly as good as the horse painting. I just I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this, this is it. Krampus Christmas. Jenny's gonna love it. So I did. It's gonna appeal to me. Um, and now I'm gonna have a giant poster of it on my wall because why not? Hopefully you enjoyed that. Now, here's a short story sourced by Booksy.com, written by L.E. Berry, titled Merry Krampus. I am he, born of the horns of badness, here for naughty children who never cry in real sadness, until they meet me, that is. My name is Krampus, Santa's dark and perfect twin. At my fancy, I will swat you with my birch branch then pop you into my rough burlap sack to carry you upon my back, taking you to the furnace that stokes the flames of hell. My goody two-shoes brother leaves coal in your stockings as a warning of what might come to pass. But still, with his cookies and candy, he's a right panty-waisted dandy. As for me, I get straight to the point. You naughty ones are fun. May the nice ones get a mouth full of cavities. I'll be at your door, not by way of the chimney, on the fifth day of December night, well before my blubbery brother and his sleigh full of toys take flight. When I arrive, mice don't sleep, they scatter, only in Santa's vermin-filled day dream do they matter. And by the by, children, there were many more reindeer than the ones you know. They are so tasty, I love them baked in a crusty pie or perhaps roasted and served with a nice bit of Yorkshire pudding with a seasoned dish of elf on the side. I am getting hungry, and Rudolph does look ripe and quite plump. My mouth is watering. <laughs> Yum. Must dash to the reindeer stalls. To you all a tasty good night. Okay, so you want to hear about some more art? Cool! Let's listen to Jenny describe a Christmas scene that can only give perspective on the fortune we have. Then, let's go on to hear her tell us all about the friendly witch of Christmas in the final segment of our Christmas special. Christmas in Yemen by Igor Dabrowski Igor Dabrowski's series Christmas in Yemen strives to show the striking and brutal contrast of our lives versus the reality of living in Yemen. Photos taken of the war-torn country have been layered with images of luxury gifts, food and Christmas decorations. In one image, a man sits, head in his hands among the rubble of buildings that have been annihilated by bombs, utter despair clear in his demeanour. The original photo is unsaturated, lacking colour and life. In comparison, the layered image shows a typical traditional festive scene many will recognise, a Christmas tree covered in fairy lights in a cosy sitting room. The contrast is obvious and completely devastating. I'm going to talk about somebody called Labafana. Very cool. Do you know anything about, does this ring any bells? Have you heard of this 
folklore before? I'm having a faint little waft in my dreams of, of a broomstick. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get into this. So, in Italian folklore, and this is long before Babbo Natale, which is Santa Claus in Italian. So, in Italian folklore, long before him, there was a witch-like woman. And she was known as Le Bafana. Le Bafana. Some of the sources saying say that this myth goes all the way back to the 13th century, so she really predates Santa by quite a long way. Because Santa, like we were saying, is actually quite a modern yeah, yeah. thing. And also the version that we know of him is very modern, because we always see Santa as a jolly man in a red outfit. Which, again, is very modern in the fact that he used to, in very old pictures, wear blue and green. He's only wearing red in a lot of modern things, because mm-hmm. Coca-Cola put him in that that kind of thing so i love that fact <laughs> yeah so you know if you see old pictures of santa in blue and green that was what he used to wear was she like a real person i don't believe so as far as i'm aware let me get into it so to give you some background so in italy the feast of epiphany is celebrated on the 6th of january and it's a national holiday it's a big big thing in italy huge thing to give people an idea epiphany actually commemorates the day that the three wise men or the three wise kings whatever you Fred call them. I'll just call them the three wise men for the rest of this story. And that was the day that they arrived in Bethlehem to deliver gifts and blessings for the babe Jesus. And they had the epiphany that he was God. Well, you know, Jesus. That's what epiphany is. 6th of January, I epiphany. Get it now. Kings arriving, wise men, whatever you want to call them. So according to the folklore, the three wise men were on their journey. So they were journeying on through. We know the stories from, you know, on the road to Bethlehem, following following that star to deliver their gifts, you know. Looking for the baby Jesus, as you do. And they stop to get respite, because it's a long journey from where they travelled from. And they happen to stop at the house of La Befana. They knock, they ask for shelter and refreshments. And being the kind woman that she was, she welcomed them into her home. She gave them refreshments and, you know, was speaking to them, chatting with them. And the three wise men, they told her of their journey, that they were following this star that will lead them to the newborn king who would be their people's saviour, that they were bringing gifts to welcome. Sort of retelling what, what we know to happen in the mm. story of the Bible. And they asked if she would like to join them. Would you like to come and meet this newborn king, the baby Jesus? Now, she declined because she had too much housework to complete. She was an Italian housewife. She had too much work to do. And it was later on, after the three wise men departed, she was sweeping the floor, hence the broom, that she had this Mm -hmm. idea that actually she did want to go and join them and she did want to meet this baby and she did want to take a gift. So she gathered up all these sweets that she could offer them as her version of a gift when she got there. So we know that the three wise men took frankincense Frankincense, myrrh, and gold, I believe. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> my Mormon upbringing coming in there. <laughs> I should have remembered that, but my brain just went, Meow. So she, again, covered up sweets. They were going to be her gift to the baby Jesus. And she ran as fast as she could to try and catch up to them, but they'd already left quite a while ago, and they were too far ahead, really, for her to catch up. Camels are fucking fast, too, man. You've seen the mummy. <laughs> oh, you got to love that scene. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought then because I was just thinking of Brendan Fraser on a camel. She wanted to catch him up. Yes, she, she wanted, wanted to catch him up. So she was trying to catch them up and she was following the star that the, wi- the wise men had told her about. She never really managed to get to see the baby Jesus. She never got to see the three kings again. So Aww, as she's travelling along, sucks. these sweets that she's gathered as gifts, she leaves them at the doors of other children as little gifts, you know. Aww. So she's still continuing her search and in doing so leaves <laughs> sweets and toys for children as she travels. It's kind of this in that same thing of like she's leaving things for children like Santa Claus would. Mm-hmm. 
in that kind of modern edition, which is kind of in more in line with that Santa Claus story, is that she leaves coal for naughty children. But apparently in Italy, <laughs> and I was reading this and thought that was really cool, they have some shops that sell something called Carbone or Blackrock Candy, which looks like coal, but it's still a sweet. Oh, I see. So the occasionally yeah. naughty children, which, you know, your children, everybody who thinks children behave perfectly all the time, it's not going to happen to their kids, you know. So even children that have little little naughty moments, they still, they might get a lump of coal, but it's still a sweet. It's like hard rock candy that's in lumps. So it, it apparently, apparently it looks like lumps of coal, which we know the modern Santa Claus, you get lumps of coal in your stockings if you've been a bad child. Yeah, so Lebafana is kind of seen as like a witch because when she left, she set out on this broom. And in the, the stories now, she kind of travels around on the broom with this magic to go and deliver the sweets. Um, she's not like a traditional witch in the sense that mm. she has a pointed hat and a black hat. Because when we think of witches, we kind of have this idea of them, don't we, from like the traditional Halloween stories. Kiki's delivery service. Ooh. <laughs> she delivers sweets. Yeah. Or marvelous. pastries or something. <laughs> so it, it's not like that kind of traditional witch with a pointed hat. She kind of appears as more of a like that traditional Italian housewife so she's got a headscarf and a shawl and you know a long dress and her broom and a giant thing on her back that she's got with sweets and toys that she leaves around for lovely children um, the picture I've picture I've got to go with it is a painting by James Lewicki and it's actually from a, a children's book called The Golden Book of Christmas Tales from the 50s so oh, it's got okay. kind of that very kind of 50s children <laughs> children's book vibe right let's have a look oh cool oh She's looking more haggard than I expected, but that uh, basket of treats looks well good. Yeah, and I mean, I love in the background that there's a little donkey. Uh, and just, you know, a casual crucifixion on the side. <laughs> well, do you know what I find odd about this? Because in the story, she's obviously going to see the baby Jesus, mm. isn't she? So this is her trying to find the baby Jesus. So why is there a man on a cruf- crucifix? Because baby Jesus hasn't been born yet in this part of the story. Maybe it's like, um, you know, she's just constantly like searching for years. That's why her nose is so long and her chin is so long because she's like been searching and searching. Little does she know that if she just turned to the side, she'd see the horror that befell him. (laughs) I think she already looks like this in the story. She was already an old Italian housewife at the start of the story. So she already had this long. Mm, She's generally depicted having like this long crooked nose with a war in that kind of witchy sense. She already looked like that when she started her journeys. Thing is, though, it's, it's quite a journey from uh, Italy to Bethlehem. Don't you have to? Do you have to cross like some ocean? I mean, I don't know whereabouts on the journey Lebafana is actually based. Whether she's based in Italy or whether she's based somewhere else, and they've just taken this story. It doesn't say exactly where Lebafana is from. Mm. She just a Italian housewife in Bethlehem. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but it did strike me as odd in that sense that this kind of appears that she's currently looking for the baby Jesus and there's Jesus on a crucifix next to it. So that mm. struck me as slightly odd. But I mean, other than that, I think it's just like a nice children's book. It's not creepy or you can see all the jolly toys in a sack. I love that there's a little donkey in the background. You know, I love a little Christmas donkey. So, yeah. It does. It definitely has the sort of the the wondrous Christmas feel to it. But I do kind of think this is a bit scary too. She's got all of those um, switches as well, which I'm guessing is uh, crossing over with Krampus. I think that's firewood because she's travelling. I think that's so she can light mm. the way. It looks like she's got an oil lamp though. I'm thinking it might be for the the switching for the hidden. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing in the La, La Bafana story as that I can find mm. that she'd ever punished a child. She's not one to punish children. She just leaves good children things. Mm. And as I say, the thing about leaving children coal is a very recent rendition and much more in line with the modern Santa Claus thing. So I think that might just be artist interpretation, mm. in all honesty. Maybe like, the artist was like, <gasps> you know, thinking that La Bufana would like also 
which is obviously getting entirely wrong. Like, leave the bad shit to crown. I mean, she looks pretty chill. I'd invite her in for a drink. I reckon she's got some good stories. Hmm. And that that little toy at the top, he's got a little bit of a side eye on. Oh, he has a bit, hasn't he? <laughs> he's like staring off into the side. He's like, <laughs> where am I being taken? <laughs> so yeah, that is the uh, the Italian folklore of La Bafana. And as I say, she she kind of it. predates the modern version of what we think of as Santa Claus. So it would make sense that what we've been talking about like you've been talking about things getting inspiration from other places a lot of these i mean i think a lot of folklore in general i mean we've spoken about it in previous art episodes where roman and greek history and art and they kind of collide in a lot of places don't they i did look at a lot of different images to see what i could find i like this one just because it appealed to me but i mean in most of them i found that she wasn't like this scary character i think because the story is that she delivers nice things and she's not a character that dishes out punishment as such that there was no kind of like what i could find scary rendition so it's quite nice to have a a happy friendly witch delivering toys and not scaring children so that is la befana i hope you've enjoyed that little tale so i've got another little bit of festive folklore that I couldn't leave out because when I started reading it, it intrigued me. Mm, I'm intrigued by your intriguingness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the name of these characters are called the Yule Lads, which kind right. of sounds like a modern Christmas rap group in the, the 90s that you'd see on Top of the Pops, you know? It sounds pretty gangster, I won't lie. The Yule Lads. Yule Lads, yeah. But actually, um, it's an old Icelandic story. Okay. Give you a bit of background where this all joins in. Icelandic children were often told the story of Grilla, and she is an ogress. Sometimes she's mm-hmm. described as a part giant in some of the stories. It varies on which region is telling the story, but she's this big, ugly, scary woman who isn't very nice, really, lives in the mountains and in the caves. I believe when I was reading about her, she'd had like three husbands already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, has had various children, and all these things have all have been not very nice. So she's generally spoken of now i don't think there's much interest in her previous husbands but she's um lives in the icelandic mountains with her husband who is called lapaludi who is apparently a very lazy git who just stays at home and hangs out in the cave mostly but grilla is known to have the ability to sniff out naughty children and hunt them down and then she takes them back to her cave in a giant sack and she eats them Oh my god, this is like Jack uh, Jack and the Giant Beanstalk. I smell the blood of an Englishman, like... <gasps> she can smell! Yeah, so, but obviously, she the, the fact that she's able to smell out naughty children, clearly this kind of story is that kind of thing where parents are trying yeah. to get their children to behave. Like, you must behave or Grilla will sniff mm-hmm. you out and take you home. Grind their bones! In her teeth! She apparently has this insatiable hunger that's never never quench so she could appear at any time if you're naughty so she was quite this terrifying character for children could she apparate i'm feeling maybe she should just appear omnipresent <laughs> not quite like that you know i don't think she was magical but she was pretty scary you know mm-hmm. she followed her nose like a shark <laughs> yeah like a shark she's yeah like a sh- we'll say that you can smell the sins on you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that sounds like something from a porno <laughs> so the yule lads they, mm. She has 13 children with mm-hmm. Lepaludi, called the Yule Lads. 13? And she got married yeah, three times? Yeah. How old is this woman? She's, I mean, she she's this old out. kind of folklore half-ogress, mm-hmm. half-giant oh, kind yeah. of thing, so she could, you know, 
the stories of the Yule Lads were actually really quite frightening at one point. Um, and mm-hmm. to the point that parents were actually officially banned from tor- tormenting their children with the stories. Seriously? In 1746, the Icelandic government censored the stories because parents were using the stories of Grilla <laughs> and the Yule Lads to kind of like terrify children into behaving. So I just thought that was this really interesting bit of law. And I think because of that, I'm having trouble finding art pieces that reflect that original, initial, scary version of them. So... Oh my god, So like yeah, in the more modern renditions, the... Yule lads have a merry but mischievous vibe about them. I mean, a lot of the pictures that you can find nowadays, they kind of almost look like a cross between dwarves and mini Santas. They've got that kind of big red shiny nose and a big white beard, you know. They're like these jolly little fat men. But if you can imagine that the stories must have been so frightened that the Icelandic government banned them, I would love to have seen the artwork renditions of what they looked like. You know, if anyone can find anything historical... Because I'm, I've been struggling to find a yeah. really like old piece of art of the Yule boy, the Yule lads, because they must have been pretty damn scary for parents to have been banned. So I wonder if because of this ban, that's why we don't get to see so many of the creepy versions. But most of like the renditions that I find, they're all just kind of like a jolly band of men. So Grilla could smell children out all year round. She could appear whenever. Now the Yule lads. What they do, they visit children in the 13 days leading up to Christmas. Well-behaved children would receive small gifts and sweets, while naughty children would receive potatoes. (laughs) Mouldy potatoes. But again, I would like to have seen the artist's renditions of what actually happened to these children before the government banned it, because I have a feeling that it would be more like Krampus' version of events. Definitely. You know, like that scary, Mm -hmm. quite creepy artwork. Most of the Yule Lads artwork that I'm going to be able to post is all very, like, jolly, like, oh, they don't look scary. When actually, in in reality, they should be. Yeah, they really should be. It's almost like that piece of history somehow snuck away. (laughs) A bit like that Raiders of the Lost Art episode. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, with the... the, When I had the Pied Piper and the window that had just yeah, disappeared. It's, it's kind yeah, it's of a bit like... <laughs> been destroyed. A bit like that. So, unfortunately, folks, the only kind of artwork I can show you of the Yule Lads is going to be, like, the modern version of them. Although, if anybody has actually done mm-hmm. their own personal rendition of the Yule Lads from the original stories, I would love to see your creepy version. Oh, yeah, I would too. <laughs> um, oh, and also, also, I think you'll quite like this, Grilla and her children, they have a, a giant cat called the Yule Cat, who's, like, this big, black, terrifying cat that roams the Icelandic countryside. And I believe the cat was used almost as a threat to people working on farmers' farms so that they would get the uh, crops pulled in as quickly as possible. And if they didn't, they wouldn't... So they wouldn't be given... It's something to do with they wouldn't be given new clothes because they hadn't got all their crops in, essentially. So the farmers would threaten Uh them and they'd be like, if you don't bring in all of the produce in enough time, we won't give you your new clothes for the winter. And somehow the Yule Cat would know which person had and which person hadn't, you know, wasn't wearing their new clothes and would go and eat them. So the Yule Cat is also this monstrous beast that was used as a threat (laughs) against adults from farmers who want... And the, the cat clearly... So the cat clearly doesn't want an extra wrapping. It's like, nope, I prefer them only to have a little bit of clothes... I don't want to eat through lots and lots of leather, okay? <laughs> I don't want to eat through new clothing. I like it aged. So it was it's weird because you've got like Grilla and the, the Yule lads who are kind of used as a threat more against children to behave themselves, either at Christmas yeah. or all year round. And then you have the Yule cat who's used at Christmas to uh, threaten adults working for farmers. So just an extra little random bit for you folks. It's bizarre. It's I just couldn't go with the fact that I couldn't find any artwork that kind of depicted the creepy versions of them. That's what we forget, you know? Like, that's a real valid part of art research, 
not being able to fucking find it. We're not always gonna be able to hunt things down on the internet. So that's where a lot of you guys come in. If ever you find anything, you know, send it to us. But yeah, there are holes in history and we fill in the gaps with a lot of waffle generally and biased views. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like sometimes when we're trying to do research for episodes, guys, I like find an image that I really desperately want to use and I've got no way of crediting mm-hmm. it to the original user. Yeah, I know. We were trying to uh, reverse Google search some of these images and all like it just kept coming up with 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 all these uh, various places has been used but no name oh, it, dri- it drives me nuts the krampus image early from earlier that's definitely just like one from the rabbit hole reference unknown yeah, it's a, yeah it tends to be a lot of those kind of victorian edwardian like postcard images oh yeah because they're just made in a factory you know artists were a penny a dozen yeah, they were kind of like riled out and that again it was an it was mm-hmm. a victorian image that I was trying to reverse Google search and um, find the original artist of and it was impossible so I, I do my best folks I do my best we we do try but um yeah the Yule lads and all their modern all their modern renditions the Yule lads look like jolly kind of Santa-like people so both of my images that are going to be kind of like jolly and friendly and Rosie's is going to be like <laughs> stealing babies although saying that your picture is actually quite funny <laughs> I will find some terrifying ones too. I'll just flood the feed with them. I think you'll enjoy them all. <laughs> and we'd love to hear about your uh, favourite Christmas stories and favourite Christmas pieces of artwork. Favourite Christmas films. Yeah. Get involved on the Twitter and the Instagram. It's like, get involved. Send us your favourite Christmas stuff. Mind you, I think this, this episode's coming out on Christmas Day, so I hope you're listening as you eat your, I don't know, nut roast or turkey. And uh, if you're not religious and you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you're enjoying the bank holiday if you're not working and relaxing and chilling. Uh-huh. And enjoying just the historical things that we're talking about. If you're one of our wonderful people that has to work in the emergency services or if you have to work in the food service industry. Ah, yes, the culinary, culinary arts. Because there's lots of people in our food service industries who are expected to work on Christmas Day and serving other people their Christmas dinners. <laughs> P.S. We totally recorded this before the tier four uh, pandemic lockdown. So we know that lots of people who would be working in the food industry right now aren't. So I hope that you're having a good Christmas at home, not serving food to other people. <laughs> I hope you're all having a good day as well as all the people in the hospitals and the fire stations and our police stations. I hope you're all having. Yeah, bust bust us out on like the, the, the kitchen radio. Yeah, because... <laughs> As you're working. Yeah, this is going to be really motivating <laughs> to you. Just two chicks waffling on about Christmas. We're pretty funny sometimes. But yeah, whatever you're, wherever <laughs> you are on this lovely Christmas day, whether you're celebrating Christmas itself, whether you're just chilling out with your family, whether you're mm-hmm. working. We hope you're having the best kind of day. Eating lots. God knows I'm going to be eating far too much food like I always do. Anyway, we hope that you're enjoying Christmas because we love you and we hope that you liked, you know, listening to some Krampus and some Labafana. I think that was a good one. Lots of waffle, lots of fun. You know what else we should do is a little <laughs> insert in there. We should, we should go one, two, three, and then go, Merry Christmas! Oh, yeah, 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 we a sound bite you'd put in. <laughs> okay, so, um... You count us down. Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas! <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Christmas special. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or email us with any questions at drunkartreview at hotmail.com because we love to stay connected with you guys. Drunk Art Review podcast was created, hosted, and edited by me, Rosie Alexander, and Jennifer Kemp. 
All music and sound design used in this episode was free-sourced.